0: This is Blaze Ridden. and you're listening to Pro Lacrosse Talk. Hans Driver. Snyder with
1: scars.
0: Now it's oh, yeah. one Panel score. Hands off for Rabel. Switches hands and
1: scores. Kylie Elmiller showing off those shifty skills. Right off the bat, there's Lyle Thompson. Welcome to Pro Lacrosse Talk, the voice of Pro Lacrosse. I'm Hutton, he's Adam, together we're bringing you interviews with your favorite players and coaches, as well as news from all four professional lacrosse leagues. Welcome to another episode of Pro Lacrosse Talk. What a weekend for the NLL. From fistfights to comebacks to defensive battles, this weekend had it all. Yeah, man,
0: we sure did. I mean, eight action-packed games and a lot of surprises, proving you can't really assume or expect anything in this league. It was a crazy, crazy week in the NLL.
1: Well, since I'm anxious, let's get right into it and uh, recap those scores with our fast break. Why don't you take it away, Adam?
0: We had a number of low-scoring affairs, starting with the Warriors' seven-five victory over the Mammoth in the lone game on Friday. That stellar defense continued to Saturday as the Thunderbirds remained undefeated with their 8-5 victory over San Diego. Keeping with the undefeated teams, the Black Wolves defeated Philadelphia in overtime 8-7 on a controversial goal that we'll talk about in a little bit by Callum Crawford. In another close contest, Rochester got their first win in their new franchise's history with a 13-12 victory over the Roughnecks. Not to be outdone, the Riptide also found themselves in the victory column for the first time in franchise history with their 13-12 victory over the Swarm. The Mammoth bounced back on short rest on Saturday to beat Saskatchewan 12-6. The Bandits got the best of Toronto in the North Division battle for second place with their 10-8 victory over the Rock. And in the lone game on Sunday, the Wings, behind the strong Philly crowd, defeated the Nighthawks 12-4 behind a big night from Zach Higgins. So that's your fast break. Now let's hit our quick stick and recap some of the news from around the leagues.
1: Yeah, so to start off our quick stick, uh, we'll start in the NLL. The Buffalo Bandits signed nine-year NLL veteran Garrett Billings to a one-year deal. He made his land debut against his former team, the Toronto Rock, and had an assist in their win. And then speaking of the rock, Tom Schreiber was placed on IR with an upper body injury prior to this weekend's game. There's currently no timetable on his return. Vancouver announced they signed goaltender Nolan Clayton, and as a result, Aaron Bold has been released by the Warriors. We're not sure where Bold will end up, uh, but there are definitely some teams out there in need of a veteran netminder. And in some more NLL news, Miles Jones has signed a contract to join the NLL, to join the New York Riptides practice roster. Obviously really excited to hear that Miles will be making the jump to the box game. I would just caution everyone to temper expectations right off the bat since he will have to get up to speed before he makes the a- active roster, but the idea of a 6'5 mile Jones on the floor is very, very exciting. And moving on to the PLL, we just mentioned two Long Island natives in Schreiber and Jones, and lucky for them, the PLL confirms they will be heading to Long Island this year. Originally reported by Pro Lacrosse Talk contributor Dan Arestia a couple weeks ago, we finally have confirmation that Stony Brook will be hosting PLL Week 3. In the biggest PLL news, Greg Renly announced he is officially calling in a career and after 22 years is retiring for good. An amazing career for him that extends beyond what he did on the field. Uh, he did a lot of work with those affected by cancer, and he continues to revolutionize the faceoff and push the discussion in the direction of evolving the faceoff, not removing it. Uh, so big shout-out to him, and we wish Beast the best of luck in retirement. So that's your quick stick for the week. Uh, now let's you know dive into the NLL games. Uh, we'll start off with the Friday night one. With the Mammoth versus the Warriors, uh, you know me and you both picked the Mammoth in this one. The Mammoth looked like they were serious contenders, uh, and they still, you know, I think are. But uh, you know, they really laid an egg in this one. Um, the Warriors just took it to the Mammoth. They were relentless on defense all game, and they got a gem of a game from Eric Penny, who made forty-eight saves and only allowed five goals in this one.
0: Yeah, Dylan Ward delivered again a single-digit goal performance, but the Mammoth offense didn't really show up on Friday. They looked really slow and you know we're not really moving the ball like we've seen them do all season and but again credit Vancouver for really making them work for opportunities and forcing 25 turnovers on the night which was big for, for the Warriors W.
1: I did not expect this Warriors team to really come out. Um, I thought you know after that brutal loss to Philadelphia last week, they really looked like they were you know at rock bottom but um you know they, they really delivered in this game. Um, they tied a league record for fewest goals by a winning team with seven. That's courtesy of Graham Perot of NLL Fact of the Day. And another fact that he tweeted out was, there have been 48 games in NLL history where the winning team scored 8 or fewer goals. None happened between 1994 and 99. This season, there have been 5. That's just a testament to how much these teams' defenses showed up this weekend. Um, you know, And like I said, it was a defensive battle through and through. And quite frankly, I think the Warriors just wanted it more. I mean, they were tenacious on loose balls. Um, you know, they're causing turnovers left and right. And they did it without Logan Shuss, uh, which brings me to Mitch Jones, who had four points on the night. Adam, is Mitch Jones your way-too-early pick for MVP?
0: Yeah, I mean, you can certainly make the case that he is. He leads the league with 36 points, and, and he's averaging six points per game through six games, you know. Uh, I would say, you know, depending on who's voting, Vancouver, I think, needs to continue to be a little bit more consistent. Um, and get that record up a little bit, you know, because generally from um, previous years, the, the MVP comes from a strong, a strong team that that goes far in the playoffs potentially. So um, but if that continues, uh, like if they keep can- having successful games like they did this week and Mitch continues to contribute like he is, I don't see why you can't put him uh, at the top of the leaderboards.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. And, uh, you know, the Warriors, they get that big win against the West rival. Uh, they're now two and four. Just a game and a half out of first place in the West, so they're still very much alive. You know, still plenty of time in the season to, to turn it around. So, um, yeah, they get a, a gutsy win against this Mammoth team that really looks stunned in that Friday night contest. Um, and also, a side note, I just have to shout out to Paul Bissonnette. Um They need to keep him in the booth the entire game because he was great for the short period he was on air. Hell, let's make his spit and chiclets comrade Ryan Whitney a lacrosse fan too and throw him in the booth. Um, you know, I'd love to see those two call an NLL game together, but uh, yeah, he, he was a real treat. Um, hopefully they, they continue to utilize him to the best of their ability. I think the Warriors are doing a great job using him as an ambassador. And it's nice that he's really promoting the game, uh, especially to his audience, you know, that is a traditional you know hockey audience, but I'm sure that we're recruiting some new lacrosse fans uh, every day with you know his presence in the game. But uh, moving on to the next game, let's talk uh, Wings Black Wolves. Uh, this, you know, was the rivalry game of the week um arguably the most anticipated matchup of the weekend and the tilt between philly and new england did not disappoint
0: both squads re- entered this one with two of the top offenses in the league and ironically enough uh this one was a low scoring affair and it was all because of the awesome goalie play uh by doug Jamison, who had 50 saves on the night and and zach higgins uh, another first year starter uh with 47 saves in, in this one you know uh, no player had on either team really had more than three points on the night um as both teams battled and you know the wings jumped up early and had a 6-2 lead at halftime but new england bounced right back and, and scored four or their own in the third um and joe russiteritz uh, once the fourth quarter started he had the lone goal of that quarter uh getting the game to overtime now this is kind of where the the big conversation starts right is with the calum crawford ot goal that was fairly controversial you know um They only had one camera angle uh, in this one uh, to show this goal. And I thought they were supposed to have a few angles uh, in, in the arena uh, for the opportunity for the refs to look at this one. You know Uh, you couldn't really tell uh, if he had entered the crease already at first glance. I'm a homer obviously. So I thought he was in the crease potentially. Right. But I I do think um, it, it was a tough call and it was eventually upheld and you know, Wolves maintain the control of the East with this big victory over the wings, but what what were your thoughts on on that goal hunting in this one as a whole?
1: Yeah, at first glance, I thought that Crawford's goal was good, but if you look at the only angle that we did have, um, I think his foot was on the line before he made that dive. I mean, I I really do. He has those bright green cleats, and to me it seemed pretty clear, but again, we don't have an overhead angle, so it wasn't conclusive. Um, Again, I, I don't know, it's it's a tough call uh, with only one angle. Um, but if I was the Wings, I'd be pissed about it because that cost them the game and a chance to take control of this East Division. Yeah, absolutely,
0: but that it, like you said, it it's gonna definitely have playoff implications. I mean, New England's four 0 still, so they're undefeated. So they have a few games up um, on on Philly um, right now, who has already played two more games uh, than New England. So we'll, we'll see what happens going further. Further, but you know. The big thing there is Philly's two losses on the season are against Georgia, who's currently uh, a game behind them, right, and New England, who's in front of them now. So for that East division, uh, that's, this one uh, kind of will be looming large when it comes down to the end of the season.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and going off of that, we have another overtime thriller uh, this weekend. You mentioned the Swarm. Uh, you know, they were up 10-6 with 10 and a half minutes left in this game. Um, but the riptide, you know, they didn't quit. I mean, we had seen them really play some teams tough this season, but just kind of lose steam towards the end of the games, and this was the opposite. You know, they really picked up uh, some momentum late in that fourth quarter. They came right back, uh, you know, after that going down 10-6. Kieran McArdle buried an outside rip to pull within three goals, and I don't know if Georgia thought they could just ride this lead uh, out the whole game, but they looked asleep on defense during this fourth quarter, and It turned into the Dan Lomas show. He buried an outside underhand shot to pull them within two. Then Raduitz followed that up with a goal uh, right in front just 14 seconds after to make it 10-9. It would take less than a minute for Dan Lomas, again, to tie it at 10-10 with seven minutes left. Um, And they were just doing a great job of using their defenders to screen pool And, you know, it really was tough for him to see a lot of these shots. And, you know, some of them I think he should have had, but some of them too, they just, the swarm left them out to dry, especially that Raduitz goal, right in front of the, the crease, um, you know, they just kind of let them roam in and, uh, and bury that in front. So, I, you know, again, this one I kind of pin on the Swarm defense. Um, and then Dan Lomas, again, completed the fourth-quarter hat trick, take that 11-10 lead with four minutes left. But, uh, you know, Lyle Thompson wouldn't be denied. He got two goals for the Swarm late, give them the 12-11 lead with two minutes. Um, but, again, that Swarm defense just they looked asleep. Um, and with seconds ticking down, number one overall pick, Tyson Gibson, found Gail Thorpe on a cross-crease feed to tie the game at 12 with 1.3 seconds left in the game. And Nassau Coliseum was erupting after that goal. They saw their team battle back, go down again, and 1.3 seconds left. Tie it, send it to overtime. Riptide had all the momentum, and, you know, they really they really got that crowd going. You know, we talked about how Poland had, you know, a rough fourth quarter, but he came up with two big saves in overtime. Um, But, you know, again, the Swarm couldn't find the back of the net. Alex Buke had a huge stuff right on the crease, and then that led to a transition opportunity. Uh, They found Captain Dan McRae in transition, and he bulldozed over Noble uh, looking to actually pass the ball, but when he realized he was wide open, just buried it past Pullen, right on the doorstep, gave the Riptide their first win in franchise history. Obviously a special moment for them in that crowd. But uh, I think the story of this one was the Swarm's collapse, and they lose their third straight, so i got to ask, Adam, what do you think up with the Swarm?
0: Yeah, you know, I, we, you talked about Pullen a little bit. He was giving up um, quite a number of outside shots, right, that, that, that seemed to go. And obviously, the defense needs to hold up a little bit better for, for, for them to succeed. Um, but when the offense is, is doing what they're supposed to, I feel like Pullen himself would say he needs to have a better game than, than he did the, this past weekend. But, you know, that, that game winner really summed up the energy or lack thereof. They really let the riptide, like I said, fire from the outside, and pulling normally saw There it was just kind of lost in transition with some of those screens, but that's not really excuse. And defense needs to play better. No reason you should really allow a team to go on a, a seven-to-two run. I, I think any any player um, would would admit that, you know. And and credit to Alex Buke, like you said, on the other hand, for making some big saves uh, late in that one. And like you said, a tough loss for the Swarm, but a, a big victory for that New York squad, or who will hope to kind of build on that
1: going forward and, and continue uh, kind of on that upward trajectory. Yeah, no, and I think you hit the nail on the head with the swarm. They they just looked complacent, too, um, on offense. Not only were they, you know, kind of lethargic on defense, but when they got the ball on offense, they kind of – even though they were up, they, they looked like they were the ones down because they were rushing opportunities, you know, on the offensive side. Um, you know, and they like to play fast. You like to play that, you know, fluid style um, you know, and it, it, they did get two goals, you know, late from Lyle Thompson. Um, so it, it wasn't like they, they weren't clicking on offense. It just, I don't know. It just, it, it was more game awareness, I think in that fourth quarter, knowing that, Hey, you, we have the lead, let's slow it down a little bit, get some good shot opportunities. Um, you know, get those loose balls off the opportunities, you know, kind of kill this clock a little bit, not, not play, you know, too safe, but it was almost like they looked like the team that was down, and you know the Riptide would get the ball back. They'd go down. They'd set up their offense. They would get those outside looks, and uh, they were bearing them. So you know, kudos to the Riptide for getting that first win. Another thrilling game, and uh, you know the Swarm. Uh, they need to figure it out because this East is you know still still theirs for the taking. But you know they're they're going to have to play a lot better, um, especially against you know some tougher opponents coming up. So. Um, we'll look to see if they can get back on track going forward. Uh, but let's, you know, go to another team that got their franchise's first win, and that was the Nighthawks uh, over the Roughnecks. Um, another expansion franchise, you know, had themselves a good start to their weekend, and Nighthawks finally got their victory in front of a home crowd against a depleted Calgary squad
0: yeah this was this was another back and forth co- contest you know you saw the Nighthawks score the final two goals in regulation of this one uh, and that really what was the difference between uh, a victory and, and a loss for the roughnecks you know um, Ryland Reese got the tying goal and Curtis Knight uh, got the big one uh, at the end to to give the nighthawks their first victory and, and Knight had a great night uh three and three on the evening and uh, hopefully they'll be able to build from here here but uh, you know, Calgary has an uphill battle to climb um, if they want to remain in the hunt in the West division. You know, we talked about uh, the competitive competitiveness, competitiveness of the East. And luckily for them, uh, neither Colorado or Saskatchewan are pulling away in that division in comparison uh, to the, some of the front runners in the other two divisions. So they still have time to, to make up um, those losses. And they're one game under 500 now, but still still have some time. Uh, to catch up, and luckily for them, like I said, Colorado, uh, and the rush aren't really pulling away either. So uh, they sure have, don't really have time to sulk because they have a, a big one that we'll talk about coming up soon um, this weekend against uh, undefeated Halifax squad. So it'll be interesting to see how Calgary can jump, bounce back, and to see if they actually can bounce back uh, against a, a pretty stacked Halifax squad.
1: Kudos to the Nighthawks. You know, they, they've been close in a lot of games recently. Um, so they, they squeak out that win against the Roughnecks, and it was well-deserved. Um, and they had another game, though, following that on Sunday versus the Wings, with the Wings looking to get at least one victory on the weekend. Um, and this game was absolutely insane. Uh, the first quarter was relatively uneventful uh, with Baptiste scoring the lone goal and Higgins making some tremendous saves. Um, and then towards the end of the quarter, you could kind of see temper starting to flare, but, you know, not, nothing too crazy, uh, you know, right off the bat. Um, but, the, you know, the Wings wanted to play fast. And Rochester actually kept their transition opportunities, you know, relatively in check. Uh, but it was the undisciplined penalties that led to four power play goals for the Wings that really hurt the Hawks in the first half. So the Wings go up 6-2, uh, headed in the third quarter. They came out firing in the third quarter. Uh, they took an 8-2 lead, and the third quarter ended with the Hawks with two men in the box, down 8-2, and tempers at an all-time high. Um, you know, you could tell that, like, they were getting really, really frustrated um, you know, Sean Evans in particular just seemed rattled uh, throughout the game. A lot of that was in due in part to Steph Charbonneau, who was just a menace throughout the game. Um, and then when the fourth quarter started, uh, immediately Sean Evans retaliated after being harassed by Steph Charbonneau and uh, got called for roughing after he threw a punch, you know, and, uh, after the whistle, and the Wings were given two penalty shots, which they converted one on. So immediately, like, you know, they, they shot themselves yeah. in the foot um, and I, I just don't think they, they ever really got the chance to play their game because they were down the whole time. Um, so at this point, you're Rochester, you're down 9 2, you still have two men in the box, and your frustration is at an all time high. And, you know, they just kind of spiraled out of control. Later in the game, Evans decided he had enough and went at Char- Charbonneau again uh, with still over eight minutes left to play. They grappled a bit. Um, You know, again, things didn't really reach the ultimate boiling point quite yet, though, and then with three minutes left in the game, you had a full team brawl with Evans and Dawson in the middle of it. You know, you got your captain and your assistant captain there kind of just, you know, letting their tempers lose it at that point. Um, I I know Sean Evans at one point walked to the box and was flexing like, you know, he had taken down Charbonneau, but really, you know, you just got the wings I think more fired up and the crowd fired up. Um, you know, I, I don't know if you can be flexing when you're down nine two. Um and that you know, at that point they were pretty much just picking fights for the last half of this quarter. Um, not to be outdone, Josh Courier ended up slamming Woody to the ground and which led to Garitano tackling Courier and them having a go and, you know, they were <laughs> going at it. Um and then we still weren't done with a minute left. Um he you, you know, you had Blaze Reardon get into it. It was just it was a it was a mess at the end of the game and Um, I think the Wings, you know, they kind of, you know, got into it a little bit at the end. But you could really tell they they knew what they wanted to play. They knew how they wanted to play. They knew that they were getting under the Nighthawks' skin. And they just let them keep making the mistakes, you know. And they kept going up on the power play. You had 108 penalty minutes total in this game. 37 penalties handed out in this one. uh, And 76 penalty minutes for the Nighthawks. So they spent the majority of the game a man down. Um, you know, just a total lack of discipline. You have to let cooler heads prevail if you want to give yourself a chance. I mean, they were coming off a, a big win against the Roughnecks. Um, and I, I know, as I mentioned before, Charbonneau in particular got in their heads. Uh, I like how the broadcast kind of called him the Brad Marshannon of box across because it's true, he's he's a bit of a pest on the floor, but you can't let that get get to you, you know, especially if you're Sean Evans. Like, yeah. Sean Evans is a phenomenal player. He's, you know, scoring around five or six points a game, it seems like, in the past three games. You have to like again maintain control and not not let it get to you. I mean, I guess when you're down that much, you kind of at that point, you know, if you figure the game's lost, why not, you know, rattle them a little bit? But um, I don't know. It just wasn't a good look for the Nighthawks. I'm sure head coach Mike Hayson wasn't very happy about how they responded because um, again, they they played the Wings well. They limited their transition opportunities. The Wings talked about how they really wanted to play fast in this one, and you know they kind of prevented that. But when you go down, when, but when you're spending most of your time in the penalty box, um, and you gave the wings six goals off of a power play uh, and another one off a penalty shot, you know that's over half Philly's goals. Um, you know you just you just can't expect to win. So that's all I have to say about that game uh, in terms of a fan point of view. They certainly got their money's worth though. It was an entertaining one, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah,
0: absolutely. And you know, let, let's not forget Higgins. You know, let's give him some love. You know, he played great in cage. He held the Nighthawks scoreless for two quarters, which is pretty absurd when you think of how high how high octane uh, some of these games have been this year, well, albeit not necessarily this week, but four goals on 45 shots, which is, which is pretty crazy, despite the extracurriculars, you know, Wings executed efficiently and, and got the game going and did what they needed to do. Matt Rambo quietly, you know, second on the team in assists with 17, just one behind Kevin Crowley. and. He had five in the game and Vitarelli had five points also, you know. Kevin Corelli, you know, I he he continues um, to, to play successfully in every game this season. He he's had a point and Brent Hickey and Kyle Matisse also had four points on the day. So well-rounded affair, and, you know. You you talked about uh, the wings getting into it at the end there, you know, when they're up by that much, what does it hurt? Right. I guess given the crowd what they won and, and, and they went into it. So um, big victory for for the this Philly squad, who I know wasn't happy after that Black Wolves
1: loss. No, yeah, definitely, and uh, you know it was big to get that win, you know, at home again, like you mentioned, in front of the Philly crowd, and you know again that Philly crowd uh, certainly, like I said, got their money got their money's worth. So yep. um, you know, again, good win for the Wings. Uh, they stay competitive in this East Division, as we mentioned, that's really you know starting to heat up. Um, but yeah, that, that kind of concluded a, a really awesome weekend of lacrosse you know some other notable results we we didn't really talk in depth about but the Thunderbirds hold on despite a valiant effort from the Seals um you know they win 8-5 and uh thanks in large part to a fourth quarter hat trick from Steven Keogh um and unfortunately for the Seals despite the return of Casey Jackson who had an assist on the day just feels like their season's all about all but lost at this point sitting at one and five you know still plenty of season left but um they're gonna really need to turn it around if they if they want to be competitive and uh maybe make the playoffs um, and then, you know, out in Banditland, they hold on in a tight contest with The Rock and get their third win of the season, 10-8. So, again, they're looking like they're returning to form. We mentioned last week how, you know, they really put together a complete game. Um, you know, kudos to them for getting a, a solid victory against their north rival in Toronto. And then the Mammoth avenged their early season loss to the Rush by racing an early 3-0 run from Saskatchewan. Um, they defeat the Rush 12-6. Huge day for Ryan Lee and Eli Liger-McLaughlin, who each had seven points in the win. Um, And Saskatchewan, again, is, you know, they're right there still in in the West, but they're like Calgary to me right now. I just don't know what to make of them. You know, some days they look really good. Other days it's like, I don't know, it's tough. But, uh, you know, again, the Mammoth are a good team. They were definitely, you know, bitter uh, from losing that game on Friday. So I think they kind of came out with a vengeance and uh, they get the victory on that Saturday night contest. Yeah, luckily, yeah, luckily
0: for, for them, uh, Dylan Ward wasn't lazy in this one.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, I there have been rumors that they they want to trade Dylan Ward, you know, from one random Twitter f- follower, um, which is h- hilarious to me. Um, I don't know if he's just trolling or if he's serious or not, but uh, I know the guys at Lacrosse Classified have been enjoying, <laughs> enjoying the little banter. And Dylan Ward himself, too. Dylan Ward is, as we have seen, both when his time in the Outlaws, uh, with the whole reading and reacting comment that someone had, and you know now his time with the Mammoth, uh, he's he's not one to shy away from some some Twitter banter, and I think he enjoys you know the little back and forth. So I know I know he tossed his hat in there, and he continues again to really have a phenomenal season. Um, you know he's looking at being one of those goalie of the year candidates if he continues it. Um, you know, and yeah. the Mammoth, you know, as long as they can get some more offensive production, again, I still think they're a contender. I think Friday was a fluke. Um, I think they just, you know, didn't come ready to play, and you know, they kind of uh, showed that they they're still here and they're still a yeah. contender on Saturday. So I wouldn't be too worried about them if I if I was Colorado fans. But that concludes our NLL coverage uh, for this weekend. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll actually get into some fantasy lacrosse. Before history is written, Bobby Orr, behind the no! it's played, Tinelli, the nicer, before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time, before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Today's show is being brought to you in part... By Stitcher Premium. You can use Stitcher Premium to listen to shows ad-free such as Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, My Favorite Murder, Wolverine the Lost Trail, or our favorite, The Fantasy Footballers. For only $4.99 a month or $34.99 a year, you get access to Stitcher Originals, bonus episodes, and comedy albums. Better yet, if you go over to stitcher.com premium and use the promo code lacrosse today, you can get one month free. So head on over to Stitcher, sign up, and get your free trial today. So welcome back. Let's dive into our fantasy lacrosse discussion and talk about some of these top fantasy performers this week. In cage, you had Warren Hill with 12.75 points. Dylan Ward with 11.75 points against the Rush. And Eric Penny, Doug Jamison, and Zach Higgins all had 10.75 points. So a really great weekend for goalies. At forward, you had Holden Catoni with 9.25 points. Eli McLaughlin had 8 points against the Rush. Rob Heller had 7.75 points in, the, in their game against Buffalo. And Ryan Lee had 7.5 points against the Rush. As far as defense and transition is concerned, Kyle Matisse had 8 points against the Nighthawks. And Ryan Dilks had 6.25 points off of 5 cause turnovers and 5 loose balls. So a really big day for Dilks, despite in a losing effort. Alright, so now let's go to our epic lacrosse fantasy locks. Adam, you picked Trevor Baptiste. Uh, He had 2.5 points in that first game. Uh, and then 4.5 points in Game 2. You had picked him for Game 2 against the Nighthawks, so he would have gotten you 4.5. My epic lacrosse fantasy lock was Lyle Thompson. He had five points off of four goals and four loose balls. Not one of his best performances, for sure. He usually has a few more loose balls, but I can't complain getting five points out of my forward slot. Um, And now that we're heading into Week 9, Adam, who is your epic lacrosse fantasy lock for this weekend? Some
0: may may think uh, this one's a little crazy. Uh, when it comes to the squad he's going against. But I'm going to go Christian Del Bianco in this one. He's going against a Halifax squad who's clicking on all cylinders right now. And I expect him uh, to kind of stop that train at the moment and have a big game and get Calgary uh, back potentially into the win column here. And I, I know with how, how Halifax is playing and how, how that Calgary offense is kind of stagnant with, with some of those injuries, um, it might be crazy. But I just have a gut feeling that, del bianco is going to have a big one and kind of lead his team to victory because of himself
1: all right spoiler alert for the game picks i think i might know where you're going um we've seen him have big performances even when they lose so i i think it's a solid pick um but for me i'm taking callum crawford uh he's always guaranteed to have a big fantasy performance uh in every game just like uh this past weekend and i think he's gonna have another big game this weekend and i think it will be no exception
0: lock it down
1: so those are our Epic Lacrosse fancy locks. Let us know your lock by tweeting us your pick and using the hashtag Lock. Uh, remember, you know, sign up for Fancy Lacrosse. Give yourself the best opportunity to win an Epic Lacrosse head. Uh, you know, we're already in Week Nine now, so you know it, it's a little late to to win that grand prize if you're just getting in now. But again, we give a weekly winner, and it only takes one week for you to get that prize of an Epic Lacrosse head. So definitely sign up today and uh, join the Fancy Lacrosse movement. But now let's go to a new segment that we're happy to debut this week. Uh, Our new segment is called Prolax Throwbacks, and we're looking at some of the best moments in lacrosse history. So this week we're starting our Prolax Throwbacks with a moment that has little significance in the grand scheme of pro lacrosse, but is far too great a moment not to highlight. 2010, Kyle Hartzell, who was a member of the Chesapeake Bayhawks at the time, completely detwigged Boston Cans attackman Ryan Boyle with one of the nastiest Rusty Gate checks pro lacrosse has ever seen. Uh, So let's take a listen to the call from Joe Beninati and Quint Kessinick.
0: Quinzani looking for cover. Boyle will back it out against Hartzell. Oh, the rusty gate. That was beautiful. Hartzell doing that to a veteran like Ryan Boyle. And Boyle's shaking his head right now, knowing that this highlight will be part of Major League Lacrosse history.
1: Leaves it hanging. Yard set. So, yeah, the, the call is great. Uh, it definitely doesn't do the video justice. So, you guys can check out the video on our YouTube channel. Definitely worth the watch. Uh, and I'm really hoping that we'll get some playful back and forth banter from Boyle in the booth and Hartsell when he's mic'd up this summer. Um, as you know, Heartsoul is a member of the PLL Atlas, and Ryan Boyle is, you know, currently in the booth, um, you know, doing all the broadcasts for the PLL. Um, so I'm hoping this gets brought up. Uh, you know, maybe us highlighting it might, you know, bring attention to it a little bit on social media. But uh, uh, definitely one to watch. And that's not to disservice to Ryan Boyle at all. A phenomenal, you know, pro lacrosse career himself. Uh, you know, with the Barrage and the Boston Cannons. So, uh, you know, we don't want to, you know, disrespect him in any way. But, you know, again, Kyle Hartzell showing why he was one of the best long stick middies in the game. And I think he's still playing at a high level. So that, that's our Prolax Throwback of the Week. Um, that's our very first entry in the Prolax Throwbacks. Tweet us a moment that you'd like us to revisit, uh, you know, coming up in, our, in a future episode. You know, feel free to tweet at us. It can be NLL, MLL, uh, you know, women's professional lacrosse it can even be a moment from this past PLL summer as well uh, you know we're trying to highlight some older moments but nothing's off limits for this segment so uh, we're happy to debut that for you guys and uh, we hope you check it out on YouTube with that we'll go to a quick break I'll hear a word from our sponsor and then we'll do our pick and roll Today's show is being brought to you in part by Stitcher Premium. You can use Stitcher Premium to listen to shows ad-free such as Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, My Favorite Murder, Wolverine the Lost Trail, or our favorite, The Fantasy Footballers. For only $4.99 a month or $34.99 a year, you get access to Stitcher Originals, bonus episodes, and comedy albums. Better yet, if you go over to stitcher.com premium and use the promo code lacrosse today, you can get one month free. So head on over to Stitcher, sign up, and get your free trial today. All right, so welcome back. Uh, a tough weekend for both of us. Uh, we both flirted around five hundred. I, I was five and three, so I came up uh, at least on the winning end. I'm twenty two and thirteen overall now. You went three and five. Uh, you're eighteen and seventeen overall, Adam. So you're really right at five hundred, uh, just a little bit barely over. Um, so you're definitely looking to get back in the win column. Uh, but again, it's it's a long season. There's still plenty of season left. Uh, but with that, let's dive into these game picks We'll start off with the Riptide at the Wings uh, Who do you like in this one In the Philly-New York rivalry?
0: Yeah, you know, as well as the Riptide Played last week uh, I think the Wings have kind of Stepped it up a notch I know they were 1-1 one on one and one on the weekend But um, I think the Wings are just A year ahead, a step ahead uh, Of this Riptide squad I'm going to take the Wings, especially at home
1: Alright, I was uh, I was on the fence with this one I I really, really wanted to pick the Riptide, but again, I think the Wings, like you mentioned, they're firing on all cylinders. Um, You know, they they lost lost a close one to New England, but they got a big one against Rochester. Um, I think they have the more experienced team, and I think, you know, that's going to kind of show against this Riptide squad, so I'm going Wings as well. Then following that, the Riptide have another game. Uh, This time, they'll be at home, and they'll be taking on the Seals. Who do you like in this one?
0: Yeah, yeah. This this was a tough one, and I, I I think it might be a little silly, but I and you know I I was thinking about this one for a while, and the the seals are really reeling right now, right? And they need to get in that win column to even kind of remain in any form of contention. And Riptide are going to be playing back to back, and I'm going to take the seals in this one, despite them having to go cross country for this. We've seen thus far in 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 this season that. There's always a surprise, right? And maybe this might not be the only surprise of the weekend, as we'll talk about later. But I'm going to take the Seals uh, in this one. Unfortunately, for those New York fans, they go 0-2 on the weekend.
1: All right. Well, they they won't go 0-2 in my book because I think the Riptide are going to win. I think they're going to get another win at home. Um, I think the Seals is a perfect matchup for them. I think they probably match up well against them. Um, You know, I think it's going to come down to Alex Puke having a big day in cage. Uh, if the Riptide really want to get a win here. Um, you know, we saw him come up clutch in that last game. So I, I think I'm going to take the Riptide in this one over the Seals. And following that, we have a big matchup between the Bandits and the Mammoth. Uh, they are at home in the Loud House. Adam, who do you like in this one? You
0: know no. This one is a, a tough one for me. Um, I've been high on the Bandits lately, but I think, you know, as lazy as he's been, I think Kellen Ward's going to have a big one in front of that home crowd, um, and he's going to prove that he's not so lazy, and the Mammoths are going to get back in the winning column.
1: All right, well, I'm, I'm going uh, Bandits in this one. I think the Bandits are going to go in and shock the Mammoth. Um, I think it's going to be a tough contest in the Loud House, um, but, you know, I, I think you know, adding Garrett Billings is, is big. I think, you know, Steve Priolo is back. Um, you know he, he played well again this past weekend, um, and he's been a huge part of their last two wins. Um, again, they're getting a lot of scoring from these young guys. Uh, I think it's just the perfect storm for the Bandits, again, to continue this win streak and uh, get a big win against the Colorado Mammoth. And following that, we have the undefeated Thunderbirds taking on the Roughnecks in Calgary. Who do you like in this one? I think I kind of already know, but I have to ask.
0: Yeah, I I, I kind of buried the didn't really bury the lead there, right? I'm going to take Roughnecks at home, getting uh, giving that Thunderbirds squad their first loss on the season, based off of the big play by Christian Del Bianco.
1: All right, I can't pick against the undefeated Thunderbirds. Um, they're just playing too well right now. Uh, even in tight games, they just you know that veteran leadership, uh, you know, of Cody Jameson, Stephen Keogh. Uh, Graham Hosick, you know, they just come to play every day and uh, you know, Michael Kersey, Scott, Michael Kersey is really getting them to play at a high level. Um, I think they go 6-0 and and continue this win streak. And finally that brings us to the final game of the weekend. Uh, the Swarm taking on the Black Wolves in a really important East Division competition. Who you liking this one, Adam?
0: This is the one I was struggling. I know I've I, I picked some upsets thus far this weekend, but this one I, I, I really struggled with. and um, I'm taking Swarm in this one. I know it's a big one, especially for it being a home game for the Black Wolves, but for the Swarm to really remain in contention in that Eastern Division, they they, they need to get a victory here. They need to get a bounce back one. Um, and I think that offense shows out, and despite
1: strong play
0: by Dougie Jameson, the Swarm pulled this one out.
1: Yeah, no, I think the Swarm have a lot of veteran leadership on that team. And I think right now they can't be happy with where they're at in this season. You know, they were the odds-on favorite to win this East uh, early on. um, And I think they still could. Um, So I think, you know, this is going to be a true test for them, playing the undefeated Black Wolves. But I think they go into New England, and I think, you know, they go into Mohegan Sun, and I think they get the victory against the Black Wolves. A lot of big matchups, you know, and a lot on the line for a lot of these teams. So uh, we're looking forward to it. Um, But that wraps up our game picks. Uh, We want to just tease, right now we have our interview with Mikey Schlosser uh, of the Denver Outlaws and San Diego Seals currently out, so feel free to check that out. Um, We also have some upcoming interviews that we're not going to reveal just yet, but one of them is a lacrosse legend. He's currently retired, not in the game anymore, but uh, let's just say he's a championship-caliber guest, and we're excited to hopefully have him on pretty soon. Uh, with that, we also want to remind people, uh, if you want to write for us, you know, please reach out. Uh, we're looking for you know people to contribute to our site. Um, send us your writing samples. Um, we'll take a look and let you know if you're, you'd be a good fit for us. Uh, please let us know. Uh, email us at proacrosstalk at gmail.com, and we'll be sure to be in touch. Uh, but with that, Adam, let's go to overtime. What are you looking forward to most this weekend? Yeah, you know, it has
0: to be those five games uh, coming up for the NLL in Week 9. You know, we're almost at the halfway mark of the season, and it, it's getting to that make-or-break time for some of these squads that we, we, we talked about in, in the rundown for games. So I'm looking forward to kind of sitting back, relaxing, and watching some really good lacrosse uh, on the – and watching some really great lacrosse uh, in the NLL this weekend.
1: All right, I'm going to go uh, to the MLL. Uh, I'm going to reuse mine from last week. Uh, we're still waiting on a lot of answers about what they're doing for this season. Uh, you know, Recently, Sandy Brown came out and made some comments on uh, you know, where the league is headed. Really vague. Not much there. Not much we didn't already know. They're relocating some teams. They're going to a single entity. We already know this. What does it mean for the players? That's what I need to know. I need to know what this means for the players. Um, so that's kind of what I'm looking forward to finding out soon. I don't know if it's going to come this week or this weekend or even this month. But that's what I hope to find out soon because we are, you know, getting pretty close to the season. There's still time left, but uh, we got to know where the new MLL is going. Um, I really enjoyed their, you know, historical pieces they've been putting out. Um, some throwbacks, you know, on their site. I think, you know, what they're doing with that has been great. But, you know, right now I'm a little bit more concerned about what they're doing for their 20th season. So, um, again, I need to get some more answers out of that. But uh, hopefully we get those soon. Um, but with that, that wraps up episode 58. Again, thank you guys all for listening. Please subscribe. Consider leaving us a review. Uh, Send us your feedback if you have any. Um, We hope you guys tune in next time to Pro Lacrosse Talk.